Well, week nine is in the books in the Big 12 Conference, and let's get it rolling with you. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. We are right now on Facebook Live. We are on Periscope. We are going to be up on the podcast here coming up shortly. So as always, if you're on the podcast, leave us that rating, review, subscribe to it. We'll get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail when you leave us that rating and review and send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Just in the past week, we have sent koozies to uh, Texas, which is obviously, for many reasons, one of our most popular states. We've sent them to, uh, where else did we send these koozies to? Uh, We sent it to Kansas City area. We were in Oklahoma. We sent a couple to California as well. So thanks to all you guys for joining us here, recapping week nine in the Big 12 Conference. And let's go. Game by game, start with West Virginia and Texas. The Longhorns getting a 17-13 win in this game on Saturday. So uh, the Longhorns, you know, they deserve the win, right? They've won two straight after it looked like Tom Herman might lose his job. But to me, this one comes down to bad coaching by Neil Brown and the Mountaineers coaching staff. Early in the fourth quarter, they did not kick the field goal. There was 11 minutes left in the game, and and uh, they should have kicked the field goal. Instead, they went for it on a fourth and one from inside the red zone. And they had moved the ball really well. They were clearly getting something going in the second half. The Mountaineers' offense had, had played much better than the first half. They were moving it very well between the 20s, and they chose to go for it on a fourth and short. I did not like that at all. I said to myself, geez, you're moving the ball well. You've got a top-five defense, by the way, in America that's holding its own. Why not kick the field goal, trust your defense to get a stop, and think, I can get back into field goal range? I don't understand why Neil Brown didn't kick the field goal on that play. And I was saying it before it happened. I know, you know, sometimes it's Monday morning quarterbacking, but I remember tweeting it out. I said, geez, I'm sitting here watching this game. Kick the field goal and trust your defense, which is a, that's one of the benefits of having a top five defense in America. You can feel good about kicking a field goal in that spot. Know you've been moving the ball well between the 20s. Get back in the field goal range. There's 11 minutes left you're going to get the ball back at least one more time and allow your defense if you are Neil Brown to to get a stop and then the you know what get the job done on the next drive get yourself in the field goal range i thought it was a very very strange decision and then coming down again they've got to go for it again on fourth and one from the texas 8 because now there was just what four or five minutes left in the game i understand obviously you got to go for it there And was there pass interference on Chris Brown from Texas on that slant route to the end zone? Probably. Let's be honest, probably. If if it, it if that ends up being a situation where you have uh uh West Virginia having to go for it i mean i i understand i understand that they're upset about the play call there and they're upset about the lack of pass interference there should have been pass interference on Chris Brown there's no doubt about it but with that being said that's not what lost this team the game if you kick the field goal the first time you don't have to go down and score a touchdown with 4 minutes left you don't have to do it They still got a raw deal there. I understand why Mountaineers fans are upset. Neil Brown was livid after that game, as he had every right to be in that moment. But uh, there's a lot more than just that one play call that it goes down to. A lot more than that. 
Pete, uh, this is from Zach on Facebook Live. Was this more indicative of how good West Virginia's defense is or how bad Texas's offense is? I think it's West Virginia's defense being that good. I this this and by the way, we've spent a lot of time talking about the Mountaineers um, front defensive line, but the back end is really good. The secondary is, is damn good too. And you saw that play out. But if you're looking for a bright spot on the Texas offense, I think Bijan Robinson, five-star stud, number one running back recruit in the country, freshman, he's playing a bit more because Keontae Ingram is down with an injury, and he had over 100 rushing yards. He had his best game of the season. So uh, the Longhorns have something going there. And if Texas, I'm pretty sure if Texas wins out, they're in the Big 12 title game because they've still got to play. Uh, they've still got to play Iowa State, and they've beaten Oklahoma State. So Texas, for all the issues that they've had there and Tom Herman has had there, they're in a very good place right now in terms of if they actually can win this, uh, win the rest of the games on the schedule. I don't think it's going to happen just right now, my gut, because they play up and down the competition, but it's not all over for the Longhorns. And Tom Herman's had a good couple of weeks here, which, you know, we rip him when he's not doing well, but he's had a good couple of weeks, so he, he deserves some credit there. I still think Sam Ellinger's been very mediocre. Um, he just throwing the ball, especially been very mediocre, but they've won their last two games against very, very good competition in Oklahoma state on the road. And then West Virginia at home. So they're winning games and that's what matters right now. Let's go to the next game in the big 12. Uh, let's go to, all right, let's get this one over with. I'm sorry. I just, we got to get it over with Oklahoma and Kansas. The Sooners win 62 to nine. <laughs> There's just never a lot to say. There's never a lot to say when you're playing KU this year. We got the cover on the game. I took OU minus the 37. That covered with ease, uh, which is sad to say, but it did. Um, I've lost betting against KU once this year, and it's because I bet with KU last week. I took the 28 against Iowa State, and what a mistake that was. So I'm not making that mistake again, but Kansas is really bad. They are really, really bad. There's not a lot to take out of it for OU. There's not a lot to take out of it for any team when you're playing them. Um, so there's not, there's just not much to say here outside of Kansas is going to have a brutal, brutal season. Um, and, and on top of that, you know, until they get better, they talked about this a lot on the broadcast, but until KU gets better on both lines, nothing's going to improve quickly for them. Les Miles is doing it right. And I say this every week, he's doing it right with high school guys Jalen Daniels is taking his lumps. You just hope he doesn't get too down on himself from a confidence perspective. That's the only concern that you have. But he's doing it the right way. He's absolutely doing it the right way, and it's the way it has to be done. So I have no issues whatsoever with Oklahoma, uh, you know, in terms of how they played yesterday. There's not a lot to take out of it, and I can't rag on KU because we all knew they were going to be this bad. Uh, I don't think this is like, you know, oh, my goodness, look how bad they are. Les Miles has to go. No, you, you brought in Les Miles to rebuild the right way, knowing he's Les Miles. He's not some guy who's going to come in and think, oh, my goodness, I have three years to turn this around. Let me go get a bunch of JUCO guys. You've tried that for 10 years. It hasn't worked. That's not why Les Miles is here. So, you know, there's not a ton to say about this game. And, uh, you know, it's how it's going to be. On Facebook Live, we're taking your comments and questions as well. As of right now, it looks like Iowa State, Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game. I don't think Oklahoma State is going to be able to beat OU in a couple of weeks. We'll see. We'll see. 
We will definitely see how that plays out. All right, let's get to our next game of the week. Where do we want to go here? Do we want to go to, oh, let me get to Oklahoma State and Kansas State. Right, let's do that, and then we'll get to the last two games of the weekend because this was a very good game as well. Oklahoma State getting a 20-18 to win over Kansas State. Uh, much closer game than I expected, to be totally frank. And this was the second worst coaching decision in the Big 12 this weekend, and that was Chris Kleiman, who I love as a head coach. He is, as of right now, the Big 12 Coach of the Year. But let's be honest, the decision to... Go for a two-point conversion after you go up 12-0 when you've kicked a couple of field goals made absolutely no sense. I, 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 once again, I'm like, why is he doing that? You're up 12-zip, kick the extra point. Um, you've got a defense that you like. Oklahoma State's offense has not been and had not been outstanding uh, during that game. So trust your defense. It was so strange because he doesn't kick the extra point. And then, you know, they score that final touchdown of the game. They're down 20 to 18 instead of 20 to 19. And what do they have to do? They have to go for two. They don't get the two-point conversion. Like that that made chasing first half points made no sense to me whatsoever. And I don't know why Chris Kleiman chose to do that. It was the strangest thing and it seems so out of character to be chasing points like that in the first half. I genuinely didn't get it. Uh, Kansas, uh, this is Tim on Facebook Live. Pete, Kansas State's just gritty. Oklahoma State should have been able to run them off the field. I, I do agree. I mean, you talk about the fact that uh, Oklahoma State's bringing in the much more talented team coming off a loss. Uh, this was a, a, a bad performance. I know Chuba Hubbard was hurt or appeared to get hurt, and, and L.D. Brown took over and had a, had a couple of really nice runs. He finished with over 100 rushing yards. But something about this offense is just not – where I thought it would be. Um, Spencer Sanders is still looking shaky back there. He was 14 to 23 for 108 yards. No touchdowns, no picks. At least it didn't have, you know, four turnovers like last weekend. But still, uh, Spencer Sanders is not clicking, but this defense is outstanding. If Oklahoma State didn't have this defense, and I can't believe I'm saying this, um, Oklahoma State, and I know Tylen Wallace was out too, but still, I mean, this, this team has an enormous amount of talent, still. They should be able to beat Kansas State with relative ease. All right? I mean, the talent is not close. The experience is not close either. Oklahoma State's got, a what, 20 returning starters between both sides of the ball? Kansas State is playing freshmen all over the place. It, it doesn't matter. It should not have been close. And I'm surprised. They've got uh, – we had a guy write a piece for us here. I believe it was uh, George McCormick wrote this for us on heartlandcollegesports.com. He wrote a great piece a week or so ago about how Oklahoma State has a ton of weapons at wide receiver, and they aren't utilizing them. Like, I know you've got Tylen Wallace, Dylan Stoner's nice, Landon Wolf's okay, but there is a lot of there are a lot of guys on that team who are incredibly talented at wide receiver, some transfers in there as well, who are not getting any looks, barely getting any playing time. And that is strange. Now, I know what Oklahoma State fans are probably thinking. Can we pair the 2011 offense with this defense? You've got a national championship team if you do that. All right? If you have the 2011 offense, Brandon Whedon, Justin Blackman, with this defense, you've got a national title team. But it's the offense here this year that's been disappointing and a letdown for Oklahoma State, and they almost lost that game yesterday because of it. 
Um, but you, I give Kansas State credit. I thought they'd lose by a couple of touchdowns, and this team came home after a brutal loss to West Virginia and uh, almost pulled it off. And this game should have been in overtime. And then once you get to overtime, you know, obviously it's anybody's game. And if the coaching staff wasn't chasing points in the first half, they would have been just A-OK. Who knows what would have happened? Will Howard had himself a nice game, especially on the ground, 125 rushing yards and a score. But obviously that fumble, which was really, I mean, that wasn't his fault. That was a great play by the Oklahoma State defense. He was not lackadaisical with that ball at all. That was a great play by the Oklahoma State defense that popped it out of there from Will Howard. Of course, it was returned 85 yards for a touchdown, eventually the game-winning touchdown. But that game could have played out much differently, much, much differently, if not for that fumble. But I I can't put that on Will Howard. I I can't. I think that's just a great defensive play. I'm not sitting here and saying, ah, Howard didn't take care of the ball. I'm not saying that at all. So Oklahoma State gets a win. They're now 4-1 in conference play. Kansas State is 4-2, having lost two straight now in Big 12 action. But, boy, this Kansas State team continues to be gritty, gritty, gritty. And that is um, – it is – it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch this team play. Uh, let's see. What do we have on Facebook Live comments? Oklahoma State's offensive line is in big trouble with Bedlam and the OUD lineup next. I agree. The Oklahoma State offensive line was – Bad yesterday. Really bad. Uh, Kansas State's going to be great, especially when Skylar Thompson comes back next year. Who knows what happens there, right? Because obviously with COVID rules, Thompson can technically come back. But, you know, you got Howard now is going to be a rising, who's going to be a sophomore next year. And what do you do uh, with that stud freshman coming in next year? They've got like the best quarterback recruit that's come to Kansas State in a generation coming in next year. So, uh, that was that was something else. That was that was something else. Carlos on Facebook Live. Oklahoma State, Iowa State playing for a Big Twelve title. Yeah, I, you know both those teams looked shaky yesterday. All right, both those teams look shaky. Iowa State still got to play Texas, and Oklahoma State's got Bedlam in two weeks. And as was noted on Facebook Live, that Oklahoma State offensive line has got to get significantly better. Significantly better. Three sacks yesterday and Kansas State had eight tackles for loss. That's a bad job. A bad job by the Oklahoma State offensive line. Our next game, uh, TCU beating Texas Tech 34-18. to That was another snooze fest. Uh, that was ugly. I know Oklahoma KU was ugly, but at least, like, I don't know, you're watching Oklahoma, who you think can play for a Big 12 title, so you're kind of, like, keeping an eye on stuff there. This game was just ugly. I mean, the first half was just horrible. And... I like Matt Wells, but <laughs> what are you doing? I mean, what is what is this team? Seriously, what is this team? It's not good. And I know it's only year two, but you've got a bunch of transfers that you brought in from quality Power 5 programs on defense. You've given up 30-plus. Um, you know, you got crushed last week by OU, And I know Henry Columbi has more pocket mobility than Alan Bowman, but are we really going to sit here and say Alan Bowman can't maybe give this team a spark in a way that Columbi is not able to? He's not a good passer, all right? He's he's not a good passer, uh, and his legs have been bottled up here uh, the last couple of weeks, especially at 14 carries for eight yards yesterday. Uh, You know, it's not like he's, he's not Kyler Murray out there, okay? He's just not. 
So they must be really down in Alan Bowman. And that's surprising to me because I'm having a tough time figuring out how this team, I understood the move a couple of weeks ago. But now we've seen Henry Columbia for almost three games, and I'm just woefully under, I'm not impressed at all with what he's got going on there. I'm not impressed at all. So that is, that is really frustrating to watch uh, if you're a Texas Tech fan. I know you're probably counting down the basketball season at this point, but I'm looking for that growth as well. And I'm really not, not feeling like I'm seeing that growth from Texas Tech. Now for TCU, you come out and you feel, I guess, okay about things, but you still wonder what your passing game looks like. Like Max Duggan had 150 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns. That's great. Carried the ball 19 times. Do you really want Max Duggan carrying the ball 19 times? The guy's had, obviously, some health issues. Uh, Is that the guy you want carrying the ball 19 times? I I don't think that's how TCU wants to draw things up on that side of the ball. But I guess they're doing what they got to do right now to win games. And uh, that's fine because, you know, they've done that now for a couple of straight weeks. And I know TCU fans, this was their first win at home since October of last year. That's crazy when you think about what Gary Patterson has done here. For them to go over a year without winning a game at home in terms of a calendar year, that's wild. But hey, uh, they got the win. They're 3-3 three and three in Big 12 play. And away we go. I'm Pete Mundo, by the way. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. We are on Facebook Live. We are on Periscope. And we are brought to you by mybookie.com, where with the promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, you get a 100% sign-up bonus. When you deposit there, you can bet on the Big 12, obviously, any college game, any NFL game, whatever you want. And they're important partners for us. So if you're thinking about making a wager here, uh, you know, we've got a full NFL slate today, obviously. We've got full college slates moving forward. The Pac-12 is, is back. Do it at mybookie.com. It, it, it helps Heartland College Sports grow. You help us continue to produce great content. We're expanding our writer base, which is fantastic, to bring you better content. So it, it really does help us uh, tremendously at heartlandcollegesports.com. Use the promo code BIG12, that's BIG12 at mybookie.com. You get a 100% sign-up bonus, no questions asked. You put in 100, 200, whatever you want, 300, they're going to give it to you in free play money right out of the gates. Our picks were okay yesterday, two and three. I was not happy uh, with the week, but two and three, uh, you know, it could have been worse. We're still above 500 for the year. We're 19 and 15 on the season is the number. We're 19 and 15 on the season. All right, we're, we're, in, we're in okay shape there. All right, last game, Iowa State-Baylor. What's up with Brock Purdy? Like, can somebody help me here? What is up with Brock Purdy? Why does it seem like he's got no confidence throwing the ball to anybody outside of Charlie Kohler and Chase Allen? I mean, the first couple of interceptions, the first one in particular, he was way off target there. If there's anything good coming out of Brock Purdy's mediocre performances this year, it's that maybe he stays another year. Maybe he's not ready to uh, go to the NFL, which he was projected to be by some people. I don't know the NFL scouting business, but he was projected by some people to be a first-round NFL pick next year before the season started. Has anybody seen anything from Brock Purdy this year that would make you think he's a slam-dunk first-round pick in the NFL next year, in the NFL draft next year? Not me. Now, once again, I'm not an NFL scout, but I have not seen that. I haven't. 
So maybe that's one minor good thing coming out of his mediocre year. But he had three interceptions last night in that game. But Iowa State, you know, they were down 24-10. They go on to score 28 unanswered points. And they end up beating Baylor. And Iowa State stays at the top of the Big 12 standings at 5-1. and one. Baylor is 1-4 and four, um, overall and in conference play. And you know what? I, I just... As good as this win was for Iowa State, and kudos to them for coming back, it was that bad of a loss for Baylor. I mean, you're sitting there in a season that has not been good uh, for a multitude of reasons. You're up 24-10 to 10 on a top-20 team, and you end up blowing it in the second half. I mean, that was just that was a tough, tough ride. When you've got Iowa State just ripping off touchdown after touchdown after touchdown, um, short drives, long drives, they, they got it done. They got it all done, and kudos to them for coming back to win that game. But still, that has got to be frustrating for you if you're a Baylor Bears fan watching that thing play out yesterday. Really frustrating. Let's get to your comments on the text line. Will Brock Purdy go to the NFL? I I don't see how he does. Once again, I'm not an NFL scout. I don't see how he goes after this year. Uh, What else do we have here? Sikkim365 postgame was pissed off last night. I can't blame him. We love our friends at Sikkim 365, but I don't blame them. I mean, that's a bad loss. Your defense totally melted down when you had a, a two-touchdown lead in the second half on a on a, a team that um, you know is top 20 in college football. That's a big, big deal. So it's, it's a bad loss. And Dave Aranda's season, you can say it, has been a nightmare. First year has been a nightmare, no doubt about it. Uh, Tim writes, Brock Purdy will return his first round. He has first round talent, but he has to prove this year is a fluke. That's probably true. So if you want a silver lining in all this, Iowa State can still get to a Big 12 title game. And if you get Brock Purdy and Brees Hall coming back next year, that's a very nice place to be for for um, that program, that fan base for Matt Campbell. So there you go. That's uh, a rundown of what's going on. Now let's look at those Big 12 standings, take a peek at those here. Iowa State's in first place by a half a game at 5-1. and one. Oklahoma State is 4-1. and one. K-State, Texas, Oklahoma at 4-2. and two. Early line on Bedlam. Ooh, that's a good question. I'm going to say OU opens up as a 7-point favorite. That's my hunch. OU opens up as a 7-point favorite in two weeks for the Bedlam game. That's where I think it goes. All right. Great to be with you guys, by the way. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, uh, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Please go check out the site. A lot of great content coming your way this week, as always. And leave us a rating and a review if you're on the podcast. We've got free koozies if you leave us a rating and a review on the Heartland College Sports Podcast. All right, so please do go check it out there. And don't forget about our friends at MyBookie. That's MyBookie.com, promo code BIG12, BIG12, for a 100% sign-up bonus on your deposit. Love you guys. Have a great week. We'll talk to you in the middle of the week on our podcast. Go check it out wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you then. Thanks so much, guys. Take care.